I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 20. Today in the show, we're talking about our goals, hopes, and hit lists for 2014. We're dreaming big today, so grab a refreshing beverage, settle in, and get ready to get stoked for the upcoming season. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. Today, it's just me and my good buddy and co-host, Dan Johnson. How's it going, man? I'm doing very good. Uh, I'm not at work, so that's pretty much about this time every day. I got maybe a 10-minute drive home, and that 10-minute drive is my wind-down period from my cubicle nightmare. Mm -hmm. And uh, So I'm happy right now. Good. Not at work. I'm glad when you're happy, Dan. You're much more fun to talk to. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not doing too bad over here either. I'm trying a new concoction. Um, for all of those listeners of age, I'm drinking a Bud Light with orange. You know, yeah, there's Bud Light Lime. You might be drinking Oberon with an orange, but I'm doing a Bud Light with orange today, and uh, it's pretty good, I must say. I have never had that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's a thing, but I'm going to try to make it a thing. So everybody try it. If you're over 21, I think you'll like it if you like Bud Light. So One time in college, the only thing we had to mix was Dr. Pepper, orange juice, and vodka. And we, <laughs> we called it the dirty foot for some reason. <laughs> and that's what we drank for about two weeks. <laughs> All right. That's the podcast next week. <laughs> The Dirty Foot. The Dirty Foot. I, I think the name's perfect. It really makes it sound appealing. It didn't look good, it didn't look good but it had a unique taste to it. Yeah. No, I bet. I know um, I had a friend who used to make something called Brass Monkeys where you take a really cheap 40 of some type of you know really cheap beer, drink it down to the label, and fill the rest of the orange juice. And uh, they called that a Brass Monkey, and that was pretty good, I guess. But huh. yeah, lots of interesting beverage choices for the adults in the audience. Otherwise, I recommend a Coke or a Pepsi with a lime wedge. That's that's a good one as well. So maybe maybe a nice ice water. Ice water is delectable. I'm a big fan of ice water. 
There was a period of my time I I, I uh, had an injury and I couldn't drink alcohol because of the medication that I was on. So I would go to the bar and order slip and slides, and that's just basically water on the rocks. It's a cool way to say it, though. Right. Makes, it, makes, it made me seem cool. Right. Or at least you thought you sounded cool. Exactly. <laughs> and that's he all. was like, oh, Jesus, who's this dumbass? <laughs> <laughs> this guy asking for slip and slides. Slip and slides. <laughs> oh, man. Well... I wanted to do something here, Dan, that's a little different than usual. You know, we don't have a guest on the show, and I thought we'd kind of keep it super casual today. Um, it's middle of August. I think you and definitely I, we're getting super itchy about the deer season. It's coming up soon. I'm ready to go. Um, lots of stuff's been happening recently in the woods where we're getting ready. I've been doing a bunch of things. Just came off of a trip down to Ohio, and I just wanted to talk about, you know, where we're at leading up to the season and kind of, you know, what we're hoping to get out of the season. What are, our, what are our goals for the 2014 season? What are our hopes and dreams? You know, what are the deer we're chasing? I kind of want to talk about all those things because I think that is one of the best things about deer hunting is this period before the season, everything leading up to the season, all this hope. I think all of us were just like, I don't know, I'm just like about to burst with anticipation. I'm just, I'm jacked to the brim. Um, and that's a really cool thing. So I thought we'd kind of tap into that today. Let's talk about all the crazy things that we're excited about, the things we're dreaming about at night, the stuff that we wake up about in the morning thinking about. Um, that's kind of what I want want to chat about. I don't know. Does that sound like a good idea to you? or That sounds like a great idea, but I'm going to take the reins for a second. Ooh. And I want to I wanna start with your Ohio trip because I saw some pictures on Facebook and on the Wired to Hunt uh website of some some straight up slobs and i'm a little bit jealous so i want you to talk about that right now yeah and um i'm all for talking about that it it ties in perfectly to this whole topic too um talking about you know what we're hoping for and our goals and everything because this weekend my hopes and dreams and goals for the 2014 season literally exploded they changed completely um and that's because of what we saw down there and it's also taking a quick step back. It is awesome to hear you say that you are jealous of something in my hunting life. <laughs> you don't hear that often from a guy living in Iowa. So you, take note. That one picture is a, of that stud. Oh, my God. He's a, he's a giant. Dude, he's insane. I know it. Um, yeah, so I, uh, myself and my buddy Josh, who's a member of the Wired Hunt team filming for us every year, and another friend, Corey, Headed down to southern Ohio, um, where we've been hunting for four years now, I think four years now, but the last two years, we finally decided to uh, invest in a lease, and it's really paid off. We've gotten a really, really good area. Excuse me. And we went down there this weekend to do some final preparations for the season. Um, We went down there in May for turkey hunting, put up a trail camera, adjusted a couple stand sites, and I figured I'd be back um, probably once a month leading up till now, but... I actually haven't been able to come back until this past weekend. So that camera had been running for three months, and I was worried. I couldn't remember what size SD card I put in there. I thought, yeah, maybe we got a month or two of pictures, but it probably filled up. So I wasn't really going into it with high expectations. I just thought we'd go down there, you know, put new batteries in the camera, um, check whatever's on there, do some driving around that night, hopefully see a deer or two, and put up some new stands. But, again, didn't have too high of expectations. But we got down there. And uh, I don't know how to say it. It just blew my mind. We pulled the camera, 
and it was taking pictures all the way till the day we got there. So right when I saw that, I saw the last picture was like my goofy mug staring into the trail camera. <laughs> I was like stoked. I was so glad. And we started clicking through those pictures and instantly, like the first clear picture we saw was a shooter buck and then another shooter buck and another. It was just stupid. We got, I believe, nine different Pope and Young caliber bucks on trail cam. And I believe if my numbers are right, five of those are 140 plus bucks well i think there's two 140s there's two they're right really close right in the 160 area i believe and then there's one that's legitimate boone and crockett we're guessing 180 something is that um, the junkyard buck you're talking about that is junkyard yeah, he's got some junk off his base man that's pretty sweet he's awesome yeah junkyard looks like uh at least four and a half, probably five and a half or something. Big mature deer, but just a mega wide, huge frame. Um, he's got triple brows on one side, a split brow on the other. Um, junk like crazy, like you said, coming out of the bases. Just a mega stud, stink pig, swamp donkey, monster. Any history with him? He's brand new. He just showed brand up. Brand new. We've never seen him. Last, last year, we saw like a 180 inch deer across the road from our lease um two nights during the rut as we were as we were leaving that lease we were kind of as we turned our truck you could spot into this field and twice two out of three nights in a row um giant buck we called him picket fence and he kind of looked like this deer but we don't think it's him um i think his frame was a little bit different he was a mainframe 12 and this deer is a mainframe 10 i believe so think it's a new deer but he's been showing up on camera all the way from May till now pretty consistently. So he's around. Um, and then the next two deer on the hit list are bucks that I do have history with. Um, and then I guess you know, we're kind of diving right into this. So it was, we're talking about my goals. You know, Part of my goals for this season are to you know kill a deer of a certain caliber or a specific deer. And so in Ohio, when I'm looking at my goals, you know, my goals this year for Ohio – tangible goals there's a whole lot of different goals and we can talk about some of the different things but one of them is to kill a certain age buck and i'm trying to set higher goals for myself from a um quality of buck so for me i want to kill at the very least a three and a half year old i'm really probably shooting for a four and a half year old buck in ohio this year and originally coming into this year i thought i want to kill something high 130s or higher when it comes to the quality of deer down there given what i've killed so far that i thought was a reasonable goal but now seeing what's on camera i'm kind of adjusting things again because i set those goals based on you know what i think is uh the challenge i'm looking for and a little bit of what's attainable and then what's that challenge and how, how much do i want to push myself and with these two bucks that i have history with really these are the two deer i want um when one of them is jawbreaker and he is at, at a minimum six and a half years old. He is the biggest bodied buck I've ever seen in my life. Um, he's the buck. If, if anyone had seen our films last year, we had um, my first trip down to this lease last year, my first trip during hunting season at least. I had set up an observation stand on the edge of a bean field, looking down the small finger of beans and across this wider field just to, again, it was the first time we'd ever hunted it. So I just wanted to get an idea of how deer were using this, how they're moving, how are they coming out to feed. Wasn't really expecting anything. But that, that first night, 
this giant buck came out. At that point, we estimate he was a five and a half year old. He was probably in the 150s, but just a really tall, massive, thick framed buck as a nine pointer. Um, pretty much an eight, just a really small G4 on one side, but just a stud. So I watched him for like an hour and a half that night, and he came into like 68 yards, but never quite closed the distance. And I never got a shot, but it was just such a cool encounter that he just stuck with me all season. And then I didn't see him again until November 24th or 25th, I think. I actually rattled him in um, there in, in bow season. He got again to about 65 yards and then stopped at the edge of this field. I was inside the timber a little ways, and he wouldn't come any closer. Um, and then I saw him again like two or three weeks later during the Ohio gun season down there. So I had three really good encounters with him. I didn't think that he made it for whatever reason. You know, after that point, never saw or heard of him again. I just had a feeling that you know someone was going to kill him, but unbelievably, he's there again. And now he's—I mean, you saw the pictures. He's just got a body like a like a bull, or I don't know. Someone left a comment and said something. You know, that doesn't look like a deer you had there. I think you've got an antlered horse running around your property. <laughs> well, and all the characteristics there for are there for a mature deer. I mean, you're looking at his neck. I mean, it's saggy in the front. He's got the sunken shoulder blades. His hindquarters are really thick, and he has got a gut on him like you wouldn't believe. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, so he's he is mature for sure. Yeah, he's uh, he's probably the most mature. Uh, he is the most mature deer I think I've ever had um, consistently on camera. He's, uh, he's just a giant. And I think given that history plus how old he is plus just what he looks like, he's, he's at the top of my hit list, I think, even though – junkyard scores better just a massive giant deer too um i don't know i think if the two of them were standing right in front of me at 30 yards at broadside i'd probably send an arrow drawbreaker just because of uh just because of all those different things and i mean his rack isn't shabby too that's that's not everything but he's got i don't know somewhere in probably 160 class antlers on his head he's a he's just a stud so. yeah just by looking at i'm looking at uh the pictures of him right now that the, the you know, from a body standpoint, uh, Jawbreaker is the most mature deer you have on, on this blog post. Um, yeah. And then that Jawbreaker buck, or excuse me, Junkyard, yeah, his rack is very impressive. But he is not, I think he might even be two years younger than than the uh, uh, Jawbreaker buck. Yeah. Because he has his, his stomach, he's got a flatter a flatter shoulders, flatter stomach line. Um, his neck doesn't look to be as saggy and his hindquarters aren't as thick. So, you know, don't be surprised. You know, obviously you're probably not going to pass junkyard from an eight. Um, you know, you're not making your, um, your decision a hundred percent based on age, but this junkyard buck has the potential in my opinion to be, you know, that 180, 190, potentially 200, class deer someday yeah no i agree if i had to guess on his age right now i'd, I'd probably guess him at four and a half um, yeah four or five for sure yeah and i think like you said he really could take another step or two up but but yeah like you said if he does show up in front of me i, I probably can't pass. yeah um but yeah two awesome bucks right there and then the third buck the third best buck that was on that farm was another deer i've got a lot of history with that um i'm sure many of our listeners I've uh, seen before is a buck we call Glenn and um, 
I got a shot at him last year. I don't know if you saw that. You probably saw that film, Dan, where I, I took a shot at this buck during that blizzard in December last year with my muzzle loader. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I missed him. And then I took another shot and I, I missed again. Um, so it was a really, really bad, a really bad day for me. And it left a sour, very sour taste in my mouth, I guess, is the, the best way to say it. So you know that, you know, this podcast is being recorded, right? I do. I do. You, you admit one miss is okay, but the second miss, you don't ever admit that, man. I, uh, <laughs> I know I shouldn't, but it's already out there. It's on, uh, it's on film. <laughs> I guess if if, uh, if there's anything that can be said about Wired Hunt, it's that we we put it all out there, and I am very very far from any kind of expert. I'm just a a learner. I'm trying to learn, and I guess I share my failures and my occasional successes along the way. And, and that was definitely a failure, a big one. That's part um, of it. It is part of it. So I learned something from that, and now. Maybe it's all going to be one of those things where hopefully I'll say, hey, it was meant to be. Because now he's back. He's a stud of a 10-pointer. I mean, a mega 10-point, perfect, typical. Again, he might be pushing 160, somewhere around there. We we did a bunch of you know measuring out, guesstimating what all his tines and, and his different measurements were, and we put him somewhere in the 60s. Um, he's 4.5 for sure, because last year we were, we're close to sure. We were pretty sure he was a 3.5-year-old last year. And he was right around a high 120s to me, 130-inch eight-pointer last year. Now he's jumped up to right around that 160 mark as a 10. And, I mean, just in general, awesome deer. I you know, missed him that one night. I had, I think, three other encounters with him during the season. So a lot of history with him. Um, I have a shed that might be his. I mean, it looks exactly like his. Sh- I mean, it is. it should be his shed, except for it looks old. It looks like it was from the year before. But... I put it up to his pictures, and I mean, it's his antler. So I, I still don't know if there's some way that this shed just aged crazy or um, if it's from maybe, you know, a deer he was related to. But I don't know. He's a very cool deer, lots of history. Would love to see him. Um, and those are the three that I'm really excited about. And then there's another, like I said, another five bucks that, you know, all would be shooters for most people. Another two bucks that are in the 140s. There's a buck um, that has a similar frame to Jawbreaker. Um, but it's probably in the 140s, and we're calling him JJ, Jawbreaker Jr. He looks young, probably three and a half, but nice, nice set of antlers on him. Another big eight pointer, and then uh, a slew of random kind of tens and eights that have a lot of potential, but are just three and a half. So I don't know. I mean, it's the best trail camera pull I've ever had. One, you know, one card, all those deer. And uh, gosh, we came out of that just about as excited as a couple of schoolgirls on the first day of school. <laughs> That's a fact, Jack. It was great, and and I've been jabbing here for too long, but we also then went driving around that night in the surrounding area, and we saw 10 more Pope and Young Bucks, including two Booners. Um, so it was just stupid. It was awesome. And not to mention, it was my birthday. It was the best big buck birthday I've ever had in my life. So That's good. It was awesome. So that, that last picture on the blog of that uh, Velvet 10 in the bean field staring at you, was that, uh, is that that same buck from the uh, trail cameras? That is not one we have on camera. That was okay. one that we just saw in a field down the road a little bit. Um, but we saw from where this property is, we had two different booners that were within about a mile and a half of that property that we saw that night, plus then that you know junkyard buck, which is, you know I think, Boone and Crockett. And then there's just a lot of good deer in the area. 
Southern Ohio. It's uh, it's a great place to be. They have all all the fixings you need, all the pieces to um, produce really great deer. And I'm just fortunate to uh, to have found a spot down there. Yeah, it looks like you're gonna be in them thick this year. Hopefully, everything works out. Yeah, thank you. I, I hope so too. I've, I'm uh, I've got high hopes, very high hopes. But but I guess I feel like I'm kind of hogging the spotlight here. I'm curious about for you, Dan. I mean, we've just kind of talked about for me one piece of my goals for this season, only one part of it. And my whole season doesn't live or die just based on whether I kill one of these specific big deer. Um, but that's a piece of it. For you, if you're looking at you know that part of your goals, what deer or what caliber deer are you shooting for? What would you need or what are you hoping to take to make this year a success? Well, this year is a little bit different than most years. All right. So four years ago, I met a guy uh, when I was filming for a different hunting company um, and he he offered to film me. So I said I made an agreement with him. I said, it's my good friend, Ryan Iberg. And I said, you know, you film me until you draw an Iowa tag and then I will let you hunt any of the properties that I can hunt. And he's from Missouri and the area, he doesn't have access to a lot of a good hunting land and he's a whitetail enthusiast just like we all are. So this year he's drawn. So my focus this year is to try to get him a deer. Um, and, you know, he's coming, he's coming down opening weekend and I'll film him opening weekend and um, he'll come down um, the first two weeks of November, and I'm basically giving up my rut to film him, which that was the agreement. And that that's I mean he's helped me out tremendously over the past four years, and now it's his turn. You know it's time for me to return the favor, and um, you know actually this weekend we're going out for a final card pull um, before I you know I transition my uh, trail cameras off mineral two travel corridors and uh, other food sources. But, um, yeah, I got a mini hit list put together. Uh, one of the deer is actually, one of the bucks is actually named Ryan Iberg. I love be- that. Because Ryan, I invited Ryan up for a shed hunt uh, one weekend, and he found two matching sets of the same deer on the same day. That's so crazy. Yeah, so he found his two-year-old rack found his three-year-old rack his four-year-old rack we never found five-year-old rack um he never found but uh but he's not near as big as he was last year uh as as wide i should say but he is one of the biggest bodied deer i have ever ever seen there's a good chance this buck weighs 300 plus on the hoof Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients 
are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. Man, what do you think think he's aged at? Uh, I'm guessing somewhere around the six and a half. Actually, I'm going to tell you he's a six and a half year old Um, just because I have, you know, several years of trail cameras, um, several years uh, of trail camera pictures of him. We have his sheds. So he's a pretty well-documented deer. Um, the only problem with him is he'll stick around until the first couple weeks of first couple weeks of October, and then he disappears, and he'll come back into the area after the rut's over. So I don't know. He's, he's, he's an enigma. I don't know what, I don't know where he goes. I only have access to so much property and, um, you know, driving around scouting and all that stuff really doesn't work when the main food, food source is in the timber, the acorns, the greens. Uh, that's what some of these deer are eating. Um, you know, they, they do travel to the bean fields and the corn fields, but, uh, this buck seems to be, he's, he, he's there all summer long and then come October after he shed, you know, maybe he sheds the velvet sticks around for a couple more weeks and then he, and then he's gone. But, uh, I did, I did have an encounter with him last at the very first night I hunted last season, like October 4th. And, uh, if you see this deer sideways, he doesn't look like much, but if you see him head on, man, he's an airplane coming through the woods. Man, what do you think he? Uh, what do you think he scores at this year? He's he's not he's not a deer for numbers, but he'll be somewhere around the one. He's this year he's an eight pointer, so he'll be around the one forty. He's got probably if I had to guess twenty two plus inside spread. Um, one forty one, yeah, forty five maybe. I don't think he's gonna be too big. So, uh, but I mean, come on, 140 inch eight pointer, 145 inch, that's nothing to snuff at. I mean, that's a nice, no, no. That's a nice eight point buck. What makes him a trophy in my eyes is that his age class, first of all, and second is his, um, is the history we have with him. You know, his, it's named after my friend Ryan Iberg, who I, 
who I hope either he kills himself or <laughs> or I kill him. Right. The deer, the deer, not the human. Right. But uh, but we have tons of trail camera pictures of them from over the years. We have um, I have I've had one encounter with him, and you know we found his sheds. So you know what what better story? Yeah, that's uh, that is the coolest thing I think for me um, over the last like five years as I've taken this whole you know my my passion for deer hunting to a new level. And with trail cameras today and, you know, with filming deer that a lot of us do, it allows you to build these, to, to get to know these specific deer, learn these deer and, and build that storyline and that history that, I don't know, for me, that just makes it so cool. I mean, if I think, you know, almost any circumstance, if you said, okay, I'll put a random giant in front of your tree stand and then I'll put a smaller deer that you have several years of history with. Which would you shoot? I'm always going to go for that deer I have the history with because for me, it's not about how big a deer it is. I mean, of course, you know, some of these things, they matter to a degree. But yeah. in the end, it's not what matters most. For me, it's it's the challenge. It's all the work that, that went into it. It's all the memories. It's all the different pieces of the puzzle that led to a single point of success. And with this yep. deer that you have this longer-term history with, you know, like the deer I killed this December, were three years of all these different things that led up to that point – Gosh, it just meant the world. It's uh, it's an incredible feeling and journey, and I think now with you know, with the ability to build that history with the deer, it is just the coolest thing uh, for the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna really gonna be gonna continue to be focusing on hunting these deer, specific deer, hunting these specific deer that I've gotten to know and built a history with, and then targeting that specific deer. Um, that's a pretty cool thing. Right now. I do want to tell you something, and, you know, I feel that you should be completely honored by what I'm going to tell you. Okay? Okay, okay. I'm naming, I'm naming a buck after you. Uh-oh. <laughs> because uh, as of right now, one of the biggest bucks I have on trail camera, I'm calling Mark Kenyon, <laughs> because you found his shed this past season. Oh, he's back on camera? He's back. Oh geez, he is. He's got split brow tines. He's got. Um, you found what side did you find? The left or the right side? Oh, uh, gosh, I think it's the left. I and think. it had a, a, a kind of a kicker off the brow. Yeah, he's got the. Jesus, bad. I can't remember. He's got a little kicker off the brow, and then he's got the flyer or little hook flyer off the G two. I think. Right. Yep. Same characteristics. The other side has a bigger split on the brow. Looks like he's got to have a kicker off his um, uh, kicker off his other G two as well. But um, he is mass, 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 mass. And the last picture that I have of him looks to be on the July thirteenth. So I haven't checked this this uh, um, next couple or let's see, yeah, Saturday I'm going to check my trail cameras. So I'll I should have a picture of him. Uh, fully developed hopefully and uh, if I was to guess following the you know if I just imagine the rest of his antlers fully grown that he's going to be booner status this year as probably (laughs) as probably a five-year-old so you should be completely honored dude that is that is awesome I didn't did you post photos of him on on your blog or or no yeah, he's on he's on the ninefingerchronicles.com under a blog called The Velvet Rut Second Card Pull. 
Man, I, I thought I looked at all those, but I guess I must have missed her or didn't recognize them or something because I just glossed over it. Yeah. Because I did not realize you had him back on camera. That is awesome. Yeah. Yep. That is so sweet. now I hope you don't get mad because you know the rules of shed hunting. Right? I, I this this is the first thing that came in my head when you said he's back. I know what you're gonna right. say. I know what's right. happening here. <laughs> I know. If you if he gets killed, you're gonna have to give up the biggest shed you've ever found. I know, and it's gonna. I'm gonna cry a little bit. I'm gonna. Right now, it has a very special place on my. It is the shed on my coffee room table, or not a coffee room on the coffee table in my man cave. It's like the prized possession. Right. And you're I'll, gonna you're gonna take it away from me, but I I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'll, but I'll tell you what, man. The I've found some pretty big sheds in my day. Uh, not you know not crazy like nothing in the hundreds or nineties. But out of the five biggest sheds that I've ever found, I've had to give two, two – I gave two of them away because a hunter killed the buck. Yeah. So I've given away uh, I think a 68-inch side and then like a 71-inch side. Man. So – and you know the other one – or actually three because two days prior to the shed hunt, a guy found the, the other shed – so I'm the kind of person who's like, man, these sheds have got to be matched up you, you, to fully get, you know, to the full feel of a of a of a shed and a deer. You got to have the matching side together. So I gave it up to the guy, and that was that was in the '60s as well. But yeah, um, so this time I'm here. If you can hear me rubbing my hands together like an <laughs> evil villain, I, I I can see the look on your face too. That <laughs> smart ass smirk. <laughs> But yeah, other than him, you know, uh, as far as the hit list is concerned, I got a, another, he looks like he's going to be a 10. Um, and then a, a buck I call Billy Ripkin. I had an encounter with him last year. Um, Billy Ripkin has an, uh, otherwise no, he has another name called, um, I won't swear on the show, but it's starts with an F and <laughs> it's Billy Ripkin F face. And for those of you guys who have collected baseball cards in the like the late '80s, early '90s, um, Cal Ripken's son, Billy Ripken, I believe, had uh, was a baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles. And on the end of his bat, he had a smiley face with the term "f face" on it. And it didn't get edited, and all these baseball cards got distributed. So there's the backstory. <laughs> and here I was, you know, with an eleven as an maybe eleven year old, uh, with profanity on a baseball card, and I thought it was like one of the coolest things. Ever. <laughs> it's a pretty funny story. The the backstory there's pretty good. Yeah. So there's that. Oh, there's that. And how big is he? You, you know, last year he was probably one sixty. As he this this is a deer that was was actually probably a three or four year old last year in the one sixties. He, he, Jeez. this deer is a genetics, like genetic specimen. He's got the inside points. He's got the, uh, last year he had the uh, double main beams. He's going to be wide or not double main beam, well, like a kicker coming off the inside of his main beams. He had, um, some splits as well. So from a genetic standpoint, he's awesome. This year, honestly, it looks like he's going to be wider, maybe a little bit more mass and I, it's hard to tell because my last picture of him is on July 6th. So he's only half grown. Man, 
I can't I can't wait to see what you get on Saturday on camera. Right, right. And I'll make sure all the pictures are posted uh, to the Nine Finger Chronicles so For everybody sure. can everybody can see. Beautiful. We'll make sure to get those linked up there too. Um man, that's awesome. Yeah. I uh I've got one more question for you re- related to bucks and, and, and what you're shooting for. And mm-hmm. then I want to take a turn a little bit um, to think about some of the other goals we have for the season outside of just, you know, the deer specific. But um, but sticking with this, you know, do you have, do you set any kind of standards for yourself in regards to, you know, outside of these deer that you specifically have pictures of and that you know you're targeting? Do you set like a, I'm shooting for a certain age deer or I'm su- shooting for a certain you know, size antler deer, or, you know, I remember watching a video you were on, Dan, where you, this is one of my favorite things, before I even knew you, I saw you shoot this deer, and, and you said, uh, you said, that deer made me go, oh, so I knew I had to shoot him. Yeah. Is that, is that all you're waiting for? Is that the criteria? What for you needs to happen in order for you to shoot a deer this fall? What do you, what's your, what's your criteria? You know, the first, the first thing I kind of look at is not about, um, you know, that, that has something to do with it. The deer has to catch, catch my attention. And that's the whole point of putting together a hit list. So first off, you know, what deer are in your area, you can judge them saying, yes, I'm either going to hold out for this one or, um, he, he, he's not old enough yet, you know, um, but it's not about necessarily the kill. Like I said, it's watching these deer grow to try to to try to reach their, um, their potential. You know, I have guys tell me all the time, dude, you're crazy. You don't, you haven't killed a lot of big bucks, but I'm not, I'm a hunter, but I don't want, you know, I have the ability to, I've had encounters with world-class animals. Unfortunately, I haven't had to kill, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to kill some of them, but you know, for me, it's having the encounters, seeing the deer on the hoof, you know, trying to trying to play that cat and mouse game that we all play every year to try to get, you know, in touch with or to get in contact with these with these giants. And um, I don't know. It's just it's 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 strange because, you know, they got to For me, I don't want to shoot a young deer for, for because in my area, I'm blessed to have um, good genetics. Uh, I'm blessed to have an older you know, a, a good age structure and, um, you know, antler size, yes, is awesome when a giant comes walking through the timber or along a field edge or whatnot. But, you know, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to explain because I will shoot a deer that is, is a big mature deer that I've never seen before. It's not like I'm, that's my only criteria, if any of that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does for sure. It's uh it's a tough question to answer. I think everyone's got a different answer too. Um right. and I you think know, and especially this year, you know, my my goal is to try to set Ryan up to be successful. Um but, you know, I'm going to definitely be able to hunt, you know, if he tags out or if I have uh um if he tags out or if uh, you know, early, something happens before he comes on vacation, I'll be I'll be hunting as well. Um you know, this year I really do want to kill a couple more does. Uh, number one, because I want to fill my freezer, and number two, I just I love hunting does. You know, I don't know. There's some, it's not necessarily the kill itself, but just 
eating for me, it's like I eating this food is like I I killed this animal myself. I didn't get it from a grocery store and then like watching my family eat it or um you know, friends eat it. It's kind of cool, like providing. I don't know. It's that's kind of off topic, but uh, but I totally relate. Love yeah. love being able to provide. Love having that connection with your food. Um, that's huge. I'm right there with you. So yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm as excited for this season, even though I know that I'm not going to be able to hunt as much um, as any other season. Because I know I'll be spending time in a tree with a good friend, sharing uh, the sport that we love, and uh, you know I'm you know early season. I'm heading out to Nebraska for uh, mule deer hunt. It was something brand new I've never done before. Expecting to fail, but um, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to right now. It's awesome. That is awesome. I think um, a lot of things you said made a lot of sense to me too, and it resonated with me. Um, I think this is something too that. I want to make sure that to all the listeners, this is something that happens a lot. I think a lot of people talk about, you know, what's on TV or what they see in the magazines and they see everyone talking about booners or shooting one eighties or 200 inch bucks or all these different types of deer. People like us talking about the fact that you've been seeing these great big giant deer and I've been seeing these great big giant deer and I'm holding out for certain things. And I think so many people in the media talking about this can send a, a sometimes, uh, dangerous message to other hunters out there and puts a pressure on people that I think is, is unnecessary and is unfortunate. And so I just want to make a disclaimer here or or mention the fact that to all of you out there listening, you never feel that what you want to shoot or what you're going to shoot or target or hunt for that shouldn't be affected or influenced by what I'm hunting or what Dan's hunting or what anyone on TV is doing. You know, you need to find out what's right for you. What is, where you are in your journey as a hunter and your goals, you know, set those for yourself. Look inside when you make those goals and those decisions. Don't worry about what you see in magazines. Don't worry about what they say on TV. Um, because unfortunately that's, that's, I think negatively influenced a lot of things in the hunting community. And I'm as guilty as anyone in, you know, promoting, you know, some of those, I've talked about big deer all the time. We love big deer and that's okay. It's okay to target big deer. It's okay to get excited about all that. Um, I just want to make sure that we're not pressuring people to do the same. Everyone's going to be at a different step on the ladder. I'm a big, um, big believer in this idea of, of being on the ladder when it comes to hunting and, and you're taking things one rung at a time. And for me, I'm still relatively low on that ladder. I've come a long ways, um, but I've still got a long ways to go and my goals will change accordingly. And for new hunters out there, you know, be comfortable with the fact that of where you are and, and take one, take it one step at a time, I think is maybe the, the message I'm trying to share right here. Well, and the thing about it, even our, even all of our quote unquote professional hunters and guests that we've already had on the podcast have admitted that the hunting industry, you're only seeing the best of the best. Yeah. They don't have time to show failure. You know, if they want to make all their sponsors happy, they get 17 to 18 minutes of actual footage. You cannot put an, an entire season or even a four-day trip into that amount of time without leaving something out. These guys fail twice as much as the regular hunters out there do because they're, you know, the best part about it is though they they have more time in the woods than us. Right. Straight up. So they're going you're going to see more from them because that is their job. They're filming 
hunts all day long, every day during the hunting season. So they're exposed to this more. It's, you know, simple statistics. If you're in the woods more, you're going to see more deer. If you're at your job or sitting on your couch, you're not going to see that. Yep. So, so true. So only you, me, you, the listeners have the ability to change that. Yep. You know, just, I, I hate it when people complain. My biggest, the thing that pisses me off the most is, that, you know, you go to these trade shows like, you know, oh, that's a good buck. You know, what'd you shoot this year? And then they'll show me a 120 class. And in my area, a 120 class, I'd pass. But that's me. These guys are saying, well, if I didn't shoot this one, my neighbor would have. Eh, I don't want to talk to this guy ever again. Because <laughs> unless you learn from that, you're not, I mean, I'm going off on a straight tangent right now, but this this thing, this kind of stuff makes me mad. You know, you can't change the world if you bitch about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, like you said, that is a tangent. It's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But I'm sorry, Mark. That's okay. No, it's a good one. Um, and it's one of those things that for, for some people, there's the goal of killing a mature deer or every year killing a bigger deer or targeting a different deer or a greater challenge every year. And for that person to make an excuse like that, that my neighbor's going to shoot it. Well, as Lee Lukoski said in our podcast, you know, a couple months ago, if you're saying that, you are that guy you're talking about. Right. Um, right. But but at the same time, I want to make sure to be clear, at least me personally, I'm not going to judge someone if they hunt in Vermont and a chance at a 110 inch buck is a chance of a lifetime, and they're super stoked to kill that 110 inch eight pointer. Good for you. Like Hell that yes. is awesome. Go for Hell it. Yes. Do what makes you happy. Um, hunting is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be connecting to nature, getting, you know, harvesting food, getting back into a, becoming a part of the circle of life. And without getting too, you know, mushy gushy here, no matter what the size of the deer is, that's an important thing. And I want to, you know, make sure to mention that and to, to right. make, cause we can sometimes get so focused on antlers and body size and all that. And that's important, but it's part of it. Well, um, when it's getting, it's hard not to, when it's getting crammed down your throat every day. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, there's a whole lot of different things going on here. Right. I think this is a good transition to the second portion of what I want to talk about here, because we spent this first half or three quarters of our of our show here today talking about the size deer we want to shoot, the specific deer we want to shoot, and like we said, that's important. But there is another side of of what I'm hoping for and dreaming of, and what my goals are for the 2014 season, and they're just as important. Exactly. But sometimes in the media, this portion of it gets slid under the table or not talked about it because it's not as sexy, it's not as glossy, it's not your magazine cover buck, um, but it's important. Now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating you know some organ the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill i had that when i was a little kid and it was a big deal organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients and as often is the case those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co 
And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. So, you know, for me, there's a few things really high level that I'm hoping to accomplish this year, um, every year really. And I'm curious to hear what you have to to say too, Dan. But I'll just throw out a couple of things for me that are goals for 2014. You know, every year I go into a season, I want to look at something I did poorly in the year past, and I want to change that into a success in the future season, um, or or something I've learned that I was not doing quite right. I want to take that lesson and apply it to the new year. So one of the things for me, for example, that I want to get better at this season is how I'm using the wind. And this is one of those things where um, I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but I've always been really focused on making sure the wind is in my favor. And I want to do a better job this season of making sure I'm hunting deer with the wind in their favor, at least they think, but me being right on that edge where I can just get away with it. But because I, it's, it's, it's not, I think I know that that is a proven way to kill big mature deer because they are going to want that win in their favor more often than not so if i can find ways to make them think they have in their favor but still somehow get away with it i'm going to have more success so that's something i'm really going to be thinking a lot about this year when i'm planning and where i'm hunting when i'm hunting why i'm hunting that wind i want to apply this lesson learned and i want to have some success with that in 2014 another thing i want to do every year is i want i want to see tangible evidence of the fact that all these different because there's many different lessons i've learned I want to see tangible evidence that I am applying those correctly. So the the evidence I'm looking for is I'm looking for more encounters with mature deer, the type of deer I'm targeting. And then I, of course, would like to see hopefully a kill or two um, this season as well. As Again, that would be evidence of the fact that all this work I've done, all these lessons learned are coming to fruition and are paying off. So those are a couple of things I'm going to be looking for as well. And then, of course, I want to learn. I want to enjoy myself. I want to spend time with friends and family. I want to, I want to find some ways to, to spend some time, more time with my dad this season. Um, given how you know, serious I am about deer hunting, sometimes I get so obsessed with going to this state or that state or hunting my best spots all the time that I'm not getting to spend as much time back with the family. And that's really where it all started for me. Um, so that's something I want to do more of this season. Um, and then the final thing with, you know, I'll stop my ranting here when it comes for goals for me relates to everything we've just talked about. And it's that pressure 
and I want to try to not get so affected, not be so affected by that pressure, the pressure to kill a certain caliber deer, the pressure to kill a deer at all. Um, these are certain pressures that I put on myself. These are pressures that maybe any one of us might feel because of our peers or because of our positions or because of anything. There's any times pressure to succeed or kill or get a big buck, whatever it is. And it has impacted me negatively in a lot of ways. And I've had to battle through that, trying to stay positive, trying to not get down on myself, trying to, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be, this is what I enjoy the most. And I don't want any of this other stuff, these pressures to ever change that. And so I'm going to make, I've made a concerted effort the past, you know, last winter or two. But this year I really want to make sure that I don't get overly concerned about the tangibles like a kill or like a certain deer or anything like that because those are important and I'm excited about that. It's a challenge, but it's not everything. And I, right. you got to have fun out there. That's, so. And that's what it boils down to. I mean, I don't know. It's all about fun. And, you know, there's different levels of fun that, like we've talked about, but that's kind of the kind of all what it boils down to. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so that's my kind of my fluffier goals for the season but but i think equally important to everything else we talked about but but what about you dan are you on the same page with me on some of those things are there other things that i missed or what for you will help make this season a success well i'm kind of a loner when it comes to my family um the only i have relatives who hunt but they don't live next to me um i really like being out by myself i'm not gonna lie um yes i love sharing um sharing the uh, footage and you know I film myself when I don't have a cameraman and this year my focus is going to be on Ryan um, but for some there's something about my job and cell phones and TVs and all these things that I feel at times I'm I'm away from nature you know basically unplugging and that's what the outdoors and hunting for me it is a getaway i love not having cell phone service um i love not being able to you know i I hate to say it but i love being in a situation where if there was an emergency nobody but myself could help me if that makes sense and even if it's being 300 or 400 yards away from your truck you know just Sitting down and, you know, um, Jim Shockey kind of put it best last week where you throw that rock in the pond and you see the ripples. That's kind of life. Your life is chaos and and, um, disorder. You get into nature, you sit in that tree stand or you're in your blind or whatever you're doing, fishing, you know, fishing, turkey hunting, and you just kind of disconnect and absorb. And that's my favorite part of hunting. It's, I mean, really, it's not even about hunting. It's just being outside. And that is what my favorite thing is of, of, about hunting, which allows me to do that. You know, yeah. other, the other goals, you know, like I said, getting, you know, getting Ryan, his deer, um, you know, I would love to get a deer too. I want to kill a couple does, uh, for food, meat in the freezer type of a situation. Um, you know, enjoying the outdoors. Uh, I want to see if the new strategy that I've come up with on a certain particular spot or spots is going to pay off. 
you know, coming in from a different uh, access point, um, hunting a different wind at a, at a same location, you know, a past location, um, seeing if, you know, my, I guess my experiments, because that's kind of what it is, you know, you fail, you got to go back to the drawing board and going back to the drawing board and trying these new experiments um, at some of these different locations, see if they pay off, see if some of the, the work I've done preseason hanging these stands in these new locations is going to, um, is going to, you know, provide a, a, an encounter or even a kill. And, um, and like you said, man, just having fun, but I don't know. I, I just got really excited. Like you explaining what your goals are and me explaining what my goals are. I just got super pumped about this upcoming season and, uh, you know, I got, I got pictures of my deer up in front of me from previous years and from this year. And, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. Giant bucks are awesome. That that's why we do what we, what we're doing. That's why this podcast really exists. And, and why we go out in the hunt is that one hope, that we have a gigantic buck walk through and we kill it, mount it, and hang it on our wall. And if you can get all, and if you can slow down and get all that other stuff while pursuing your goal, you know, that's, that's even better. Yeah. And I would, I would say at the same time, if your only goal is to get that gigantic buck and you don't allow yourself to join those all other times, then it's all, for not yeah. as well. So. I, 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 my opinion would, would be don't, why are you hunting? If you're hunting just for antlers, antlers, that's a, in my opinion, that's a waste of the life of an animal. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And it's, that's the tricky balance that I feel like I personally feel like I'm trying to walk because it's so easy. Like you said, big bucks are awesome. We love talking about them. We like strategizing how to kill them. Um, we dream about them. And that's okay, um, but it's just as important to remember. There's a, it's very important to remember. There's a whole lot more going on here. There's a whole lot more we're trying to achieve. And like you said, to just boil it down to just that deer, you know, set of antlers is taking something away from the hunt. It's taking away something from the deer, and it's taking away something from yourself. And we all, whether it be all of our listeners, you, me, everyone in the hunting media, we all need to make sure we keep that top of mind through everything we do. Um, it's tough to do, but it's something we need to, you know, remember because that's important. Right. Right. And it's a learning experience. Yeah. You know, it's, I get, you know, and I'll, I'm going to use my stepdad as an example here. He is, if it's brown, it's down type of hunter. Okay. And he, he tries to, um, let's see. His main goal is to share time with his sons and to share, you know, stories and experiences with myself and his sons. Um, that's what he loves about the outdoors. He's not, you know, in a way I'm jealous of him because he's not influenced by, you know, age structure. He's not influenced by rack size. He's not, he's out there. He's almost more of a hunter than I am in a way when you think about it because he is out there to hunt and have a and enjoy time with his family yeah and you know in a way i'm, I'm a little bit jealous of him yeah uh, 
I think there's there's something to be said about that. And what another thing it made me think of is the fact that these goals that we have, they evolve over time. Exactly. And I, think, I think that there is a, I've heard people talk about a tradi- like a typical kind of pattern that most hunters go through. Um, and there's like that first stage where you just want to kill your first deer. And then you get to the next stage where you want to kill a lot of deer. And then you get to the next stage maybe with some people where they want to kill bigger deer. And then, you know, one specific deer. And then there's a transition that I think a lot of people, I saw my grandpa go through this, where he went into this phase where he moved on to, he wants to help his son kill a deer. He wants to help his grandkids kill a deer. He just wants to spend time with family. He just wants to see deer or help deer. Um, I think that's pretty cool, that transition. And probably to, to differing degrees, we'll all go through some type of evolution as a hunter and what we are looking to get from it and what it means to us. And, and that's pretty neat. And I think it's, uh, I think it's to, I think it's important to respect everyone and the different place they might be at on that path. Right. So, yeah, man, like you said though, a couple minutes ago, I am just jacked talking all yeah. about that. I'm just, uh, like last week or a couple of days ago, I woke up and it was like 44 degrees in the morning. Woo-wee. Yeah. And I just, uh, <laughs> that's exactly, I was just sitting, I was like, yee, I got to get in the woods. It's time to go. I, uh, man, I'm pumped. I'm having a hard time keeping it together here. Cause I uh, 23 days, 23 days. I head to Idaho on my first hunt for the season and that's for elk. And then I think it's something like 38 days from now or something, or 36. I start hunting for whitetails in Ohio. And then four days later, or five days later, or something like that, it's in Michigan, maybe Indiana. And before you know it, it's going to be here and stuff's going to get real. So I can't wait. Counting six, seven. Oh, he's counting down. <laughs> How many days you got, Dan? I got 10. 15 or 16 days till I head to uh, Nebraska for my mule deer hunt. Man, it's going to be exciting. (sighs) You know, kind of closing things up here, what I'm really excited about for this hunting season, on top of everything we just talked about, is something that I want to do here with the podcast, Dan, and that is that I want to use our weekly episodes here as we get going, once the hunting season gets going, to really fill our listeners in on what's happening in the woods. What are the current conditions? What are the patterns we're seeing? What are the stories and experiences and the, I'm sure the many failures that we have along the way too. Right. I'm, I'm pretty pumped to share our stories as we go week by week through the season. And uh, I think that should be pretty interesting, hopefully, and helpful. And so I'm, I'm just I'm stoked for that to happen, stoked to get the season going and to, to start the story of 2014 because it's right. going to be one heck of a story. Well, you think about it, it, it's the next chapter, man. You mean you've been out there, you've found the sheds, you've, you've done the scouting. The next chapter is starting the hunt, you know, and I don't know, oh man, I, okay, I, I got to stop because <laughs> I'm getting fired up because I mean, tonight, um, I, I still have to, there's still a lot to be done too. You know, I still have oh, to yeah. check trail cameras. I still have to move trail cameras. Hell, I still have to, uh, I got a new site. Thanks, Mark Kenyon. I got oh, yeah. new broadheads and, um, I have, I got a site in my bow and recited in, and I still got, you know, some, some trail or some uh, tree stands to trim out. So I'm not even, I'm not going to get all this stuff done. But I've never been 100% prepared for a season. So that's part of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, same here. I'm planning on next weekend. I just set aside the weekend to try to get all of my final preparations here in Michigan done. I just told the wife, hey, I need like two solid days just to finish everything I possibly can. And then what I always like to do is I like to stay out of the woods the entire month leading up to the opener. So that's what I hope I can do. So we'll see. Yeah. A lot of work to do. But I think uh, – um and I, I think we're just about done here, but I know that you're a kind of an advocate for these guys, and I know I am too. I just want uh, to let everybody know about the National Deer Alliance, that um, it's kind of a big thing helping whitetail hunters and all deer hunters kind of, uh, um, I don't know, what's the word, come together. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's an awesome thing to mention. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, the National Deer Alliance, yeah, it launched this summer or just a few weeks ago, really. And like you said, it's it's uh, an organization that's going to try to act kind of similar to how the NRA works on behalf of gun owners. The National Deer Alliance is looking to be an organization that unifies hunters as best as possible and works towards advocating for interests of deer and deer hunters um, across the country. So it's very cool. Visit uh, www.nationaldeeralliance.com uh, to join. It's free. And um, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming from them in the future. They're, they're just starting up right now, but some very cool things coming up and some, some exciting announcements to come on that front, too. I've uh, been involved in that to a degree. So excited to talk about that more in the future. And I'm hoping to get some people from the organization itself on the podcast here soon to, to really dive into detail about you know what the NDA is going to be about, how people can get involved, and, and what we can hope to see from, from that organization in the future. So. Awesome plug, Dan. Yeah, I had to help you out. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. So that said then, I think, like you said, we should close things up here. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. We were definitely you know, a little more casual and laid back, just kind of shooting the breeze and talking about what we hope for 2014. But hopefully it got your brain moving, got you thinking, got you excited. And uh, before you know it, the season's going to be here. So if you did enjoy the show, you know, as we always say, we would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. We've gotten 48 awesome reviews already, or somewhere around there, and gosh, we appreciate it. It's great. Appreciate what you guys have been saying. Sounds like you're enjoying the show, which which means the world. I'm glad to hear it. Um, if you haven't yet, it's super easy. Go into iTunes, click into our podcast. You'll see a little button to leave a rating or review, and it takes just a minute. So thank you in advance if you get a chance to do that. And of course, we also want to thank our partners who help make the Wired to Hunt podcast possible. So I want to thank Sika Gear, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Carbon Express Arrows, Hunt Soft, Lacrosse Boots, Big and J Long Range Attractants, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And be sure to visit wiredtohunt.com slash episode 20 to view some notes from our episode today. And I'm going to include links to the blog posts from my blog and Dan's where we have photos of some of the bucks we talked about and a few other things that were relevant to our discussion. So thank you, Wired Hunt Nation, for being with us today, uh, for you know being as excited as we are about whitetails. It's an awesome thing, and we're really fortunate that we can share that with you. So thank you, and until next time... Stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved 
via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 